0: Greetings, Restoration. I hope this video finds you well. Uh, as you can see, I'm recording this sermon from my living room, and you know what? About a, a month or so ago, if you had told me that I would be preaching to you from my living room, I, uh, I would not have believed you, we'll just say that. Um, you know, as, as many of you know, Molly and I love to have newcomer dinners uh, on a regular basis. So, so many of you have been in our living room before. So, even though this is such a, a weird, bizarre experience, uh, I, I hope that in some ways there's somewhat of a, of a familiarity to this. Um, yeah, so may the, may the Lord bless uh, this time and bless my message to you today. So, I just, I, I miss you all today. I miss you a lot and I can't believe that this is now the third Sunday that we have been apart and I've had a chance to, to zoom conference with you all, FaceTime with some of you, uh but it's it's not enough and I miss you. I, I miss giving you hugs and handshakes and all those small little uh chats before and after church or you know in coffee shops or whatever. Um, I'm thankful for technology, I'm I'm thankful that we can do this now, Uh, but it it still leaves me longing, and I'm sure you're longing as well, but I I miss you all. So, what I'd like to do today is uh, preach a little bit from each one of the passages. I'll I'll be touching on a little little bit of them uh, this morning. So, in many ways, we find ourselves in a double Lent, you know, this is like a double-layered Lent, isn't it? And it's, it's almost cliche now uh, how many times I've heard from people, and and some famous, some not famous, but a lot of folks have been saying something generally along these lines of, I didn't plan on giving up this much for Lent uh, this year. And, and maybe you've even said that to yourself or to the people in your household. Um, this is a Lenten experience. Uh, And this is a a wilderness experience that that has a lot of weight to it, uh, isn't it? Well, whenever we step into a wilderness experience like this, either an an intentional one like Lent or an unintentional wilderness experience such as this global pandemic, we're always confronted with new temptations. That's always a marker of stepping into a wilderness experience. Well, every single year, the season of Lent begins with Jesus stepping into the wilderness and uh, the devil coming to him with these temptations. It's the same story that we hear every single year on the first Sunday of Lent. And one of the reasons why hard times are especially difficult is because of an increased sense of temptation. Uh, It's because whenever there's a a radical shift in in danger or change that comes our way, usually that's an opportunity where the devil comes to try to tempt us in various ways. So I'm not going to be preaching again from uh, the story of Jesus in the wilderness, but I do want to address three temptations that I think all of us are probably feeling uh, these days in, in light of the present circumstances. So like I said, I'll be touching from, uh, I'll be gathering a little bit from each one of the uh, scriptures that you will have read today in your Sunday liturgy, Um, but in answer to each of the three temptations that I'm going to mention, I believe that God is offering us three words of grace this morning, Uh, words of hope, words of healing, uh, words of restoration uh, that I think God has for us as well. So the first temptation that I think you and I are are feeling very strongly uh, these days the first temptation is despair. So, what I mean by despair is more than just a feeling of sadness. Uh, despair is much more than that. It's it's a feeling of dread. Uh, it's a feeling of defeat. It's a feeling as if all is should be given up on, uh, as if there's there's nothing else to live for. And these days, I feel like uh, to to despair is to like wrap yourself in this blanket uh, of darkness and just to say to yourself, this is all that there is. So I don't know about you, but if I spend more than like five minutes on the news, uh, it's really easy for me to feel that weight of despair just start to come down on me. And it's it's pretty paralyzing. And I've, I've heard this from a, a number of you actually, that you've said that you've, you've needed to, to spend uh, a significant, just additional energy to like put away uh, the screen, to put away the news, just because the despair can be so, Uh, overwhelming at times and not only are we seeing that kind of at a a global or national level but we're even feeling this uh even within within our own church congregation uh this is uh, or some of you have gone through uh, especially like a, a significant upheaval of your family rhythms and that's just incredibly stressful for you and it's caused despair to pop up uh, for some of you, you've you've gone through really serious changes. Like some of you have lost your job, uh, even in the last couple weeks, or been asked to, or been put on furlough. And some of you even know that that's a, a very realistic possibility uh, for your career. Uh, there's an engaged couple at our church uh, who are planning to get married on April 18th, and. Praise the Lord, the ceremony is still going to happen. We're still going, we're going to go to Church of the Cross and we're going to have a small private ceremony there. But needless to say, that is, uh, it's it's a much different experience than uh, what this sweet couple were originally planning to do uh, with a massive celebration and whatnot. So the, the temptation to despair is nearly palpable uh, these days, even within our own community. Well, friends, thankfully, we are not the first ones to grapple with this. Uh, God's people are well familiar with the feelings of despair did you hear the the words of ezekiel this morning so god places him in a valley full of dry bones there's this defeated old uh, dusty army of bones that are laid out before him and god turns to him and says is life possible here is life possible here Well, Ezekiel, he just shrugs kind of in this this gesture of, of despair. And he says, essentially, he says, Only you know, O Lord. You know, you can hear that defeat in his voice. You can hear that sadness that's in his voice. Well, likewise, in the gospel passage this morning, we heard Mary say to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, if only you were here sooner, then my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, where have you been? I thought we were friends, Jesus. I thought you knew that this was coming, Jesus. Or even we hear from our psalmist on those first verses from the psalm. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Let your ears be attentive, the psalmist says. In other words, stop ignoring me, the psalmist says to God. So it's so easy for us to fall into despair. And this is a familiar feeling with those uh, in the Bible as well. So what then do we do? How do we answer uh, the despair that's looming upon us? Well, the answer, I think, is to place our hope in the Lord. To place our hope in the Lord. Don't you just love the arc of that Psalm 130? Probably even today as you're reading it, you could hear, uh, you, could, you could see and feel the energy of that Psalm just kind of uh, build and build. You know, he, he moves from despair at the beginning, but then the Psalm culminates in this bright ray of hope at the end where he turns to the congregation and tells all of Israel to hope in the Lord. Now, this isn't just an empty hope. Uh, I'm not talking about like wishful thinking here or, or empty positivism or anything like that. You know, nor is this any promise that we'll be avoiding suffering. That's never a promise in the scriptures. No, this is a biblical hope. And a biblical hope is hope that God will never leave us. God will never leave us. With the Lord, in verse seven, the psalmist says, with the Lord, there is steadfast love. In him is plentiful redemption. Steadfast love and plentiful redemption. How beautiful is that? In other words, we hope in God because he is able to turn our moment of despair and suffering into an experience of his love, intimacy with the Lord God himself. He is the one who redeems. He is the one who restores our lives. So friends, no matter what our future holds, God is able to use this moment to give us what is most precious and that is his love. He promises to never leave us or forsake us, and instead we can encounter his steadfast love and his strong acts of redemption. So do not despair, people of God. Our hope is in the Lord. So second, what's the second temptation that I think that we're we're all um, potentially facing right now? Well, I think it's a temptation of distraction, a temptation to distraction. So in the midst of all that's going on, isn't it so easy to distract ourselves Uh, I mean, (laughs) I feel like with with all that's available on uh, uh, the media right now, I mean, uh, there's just suggestion after suggestion of how to spend your time, what to binge on. Uh, A lot of media companies are putting out tons of content out there for free. Uh, In fact, I think I noticed last week that there was a Netflix outage. Like, how many millions of Americans binging on Netflix does it take to actually crash those servers? Um, That just seems pretty intense to me, right? You know, for some reason, or, but for some of us, though, the, te- the temptation might not be to turn to a screen or binge watch, uh, but for some of us, maybe that temptation is to rather turn to the bottle uh, or to some other sort of ad- addiction or something that plagues us. You know, anytime that there's a heightened level of uh, stress like this, it's, it's usually a trigger for us to fall into old habits of, of distraction and addiction. You know, a lot of us might be turning uh, to ways to just um, self-medicate in really destructive ways. Now, obviously I'm all for uh, a good movie. I love enjoying a a fine beverage every now and then. But friends, the default way that you fill time can't be constant distractions. Uh, If you do, you will miss out on what the Lord God has to say to you in this moment. So what's the answer to this? What's the answer to these constant distractions that are plaguing us both from outside or within? Well, rather than distracting our way through this pandemic, I think what the Lord is calling you and I to do during this season of of sheltering in place and all that, I think what the Lord is calling us to is a greater sense of discipleship, a greater sense of devotion to him, of falling more in love with the Lord God. You know, the psalmist in the middle of this psalm, he cries out as he's, right after he has cried out for despair, in verse five, he reminds himself of this beautiful fact. He says this, in his word is my trust. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. How beautiful is that? In his word is my trust, and I wait for the Lord so rather than turning to distractions, the psalmist sees his moment of suffering as an opportunity for discipleship. He dives into the word of God. He turns his focus to the word of God and he's obsessively keeping his eyes on the horizon in the same way that a watchman on top of the tower is, is staring onto the horizon waiting for that, that first light to emerge, uh, that, that, that sign of safety and relief and warmth. In the same way, the psalmist is looking for the Lord knowing expectantly that the, Lord, that the Lord God is going to show up and, and um, redeem him. So earlier, uh, I think it was last week or the, or the week before, uh, a lot of us staff and leaders have a, a communication program that we all use. And I had asked them all to, I had asked all the staff and some of the leaders to share some verses of God's promises uh, that we're able to find in scripture. And I'd love to share uh, a few of these with you, actually. So Joshua chapter one, verse five. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 43, verse one. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Psalm 112, verse six and eight through eight. For the righteous righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Romans 8, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 27, The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? I have, er, in John chapter sixteen thirty three, Jesus says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you, have, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. So, friends, this is the Word of God. This is where we should be rooted. This is where we should be spending our devotion. And these aren't just phony, therapeutic mantras. These aren't things that we just tell ourselves, again, as if they're just wishful thinking or anything. This is the enduring Word of God that is passed on from generation to generation. It is living and active, it stirs our soul. The Word of God reminds us that God is active. He is here among us, speaking to us. So I assume uh, a lot of you, like me, have, uh, re- you- you've spent a lot of time commuting, you know, that's just a part of our daily schedule, right? You commute to work, or maybe uh, you're-, you're driving your kids uh, to school every single day, and now that we're under this stay-at-home order, uh, I'm assuming that you have uh, at least that much more time on your hands. So friends, what if we offered that regained time to the Lord? What if we uh, recommitted ourselves to daily prayer through morning prayer and evening prayer from the Book of Common Prayer that, that we Anglicans hold so dear? What if we took this as a time to just soak ourselves in the scriptures, to become so familiar with those promises of God, those living and breathing promises that speak to us? What if we were to devote ourselves to prayer with the global church in this prayer book? So, rather than being distracted, what if we saw this as a as an opportunity for discipleship of greater love of Jesus Christ? So, the third temptation, I think it's a temptation to division. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I yes, I think that the the earlier temptations of of despair and uh, of distraction, I think those are real temptations, but this is what I'm most uh, concerned about, to be honest, is this, this temptation to division. Because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, many of you have heard me say before that uh, the word for devil and the word for divide comes from the, the same word. Both, uh, you know, the devil is that divider. He is the one who seeks to divide us from God. He seeks to divide us from each other. He even seeks to defi- divide us within ourselves. Uh, that is the role of, of the devil. He wants to isolate us as much as possible. And look around us. Look what's happening right now, right? Like where we are at physically is such a, uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's evident of, of um, yeah, the, the devil having his way. I mean, there is stark division that's happening right now. Physically, yes, but oh my goodness, in so many other ways throughout our world. So these are uncharted waters that we're in right now. Uh, now, who would have thought that a global pandemic, something that would um, affect almost every single country around the world, would actually be so politicized and divisive in our society you know you 'd think that of, of anything in the world that that something like this could could cause people to put aside their differences and to rally together, but it almost seems like now more than ever um, division is tearing our country apart, right. Now I'm, even sh- I'm sure that you're even experience- experiencing that in-, in your jobs, in your places as well. Uh, I'm sure that in, in your various inter- industries, there's a lot of differing opinions of-, of how different problems should be solved. And some people probably hold those, uh, those ideas more strongly than others, and it's leading to division even in your workplace or even in your-, in your families or your children's schools. You know, There's so much opportunity for division that's taking place right now. And we, the church, are not immune from this. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I've even seen this uh, amongst pastors and theologians. You know, how should the church be responding to this moment now where we're not um, encouraged to gather together? Do we, live, do we live stream or do we do a home liturgy? Do we do a, a liturgy of longing uh, in place of communion? Or do we set up distribution stations across the city and distribute communion that way? There's lots of disagreement about this. In fact, if you go online, you'll you have no problem um, finding areas where smart Christians are disagreeing on these matters. Well, the devil is having an absolute heyday with this right now. You know, the internet is already abuzz with Christians who are planting their flags on on uh, in the ground on issues that didn't did not even exist five weeks ago. And here we are. We're we're pointing fingers. We're judging one another. Um, we are, we're tearing each other down to various degrees. So friends, what do we do with this temptation? What do we do with this, this temptation that is seeking to divide us, um, even, even our own families of, of churches? Well, friends, I would encourage us all to fight for the unity of the flock. Fight for the unity of the flock. Now, what do I mean by that? Why would I phrase it in that sort of way? Why would I say the word flock or, or unity or something like that? Well, what is your flock? Well, I think for you, uh, for for all of us, your flock could be those who are within close proximity to you, those who the Lord has has placed on your heart in a um, special sort of way, your family, your friend group, your coworkers, uh, your, your neighbors, and most certainly, restoration, this community, this is your flock. Fight for the unity of our flock here in this moment, now. Now, this, this doesn't mean, what I don't mean by this is just making sure that we're all on the same page on everything. Fighting for the unity isn't just like a, a cognitive thing. No, to be unified is to sacrificially serve one another. That is to be spiritually gathered together, to be, to be um, held onto tightly. That's what I mean by unity right now. It's, it's much more than just a mental ascent. It's, it's, it's a gathering together. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Jesus when he's looking upon Jerusalem and he's just mourning over all the tragedy that has happened in Jerusalem over the years. And what does he say in that moment? He says, oh, Jerusalem, how I have wanted to gather my children together as, hens, as, as a mo- mother hen gathers her chick under her wings. And beloved restoration, that is what I want us to be doing right now. The devil wants to divide us. We are physically separated right now. It would be so easy for us to be isolated during this time. But may we all be like, like mother hens. May we, be following the Jesus, may we be following our Lord Jesus Christ as, as an example in, in desiring to gather together um, his beloved flock under the folds of his wings. So who is your flock? Who is it the Lord has placed upon your heart this morning? Who needs to be gathered in your midst and cared for? Maybe it's an elderly neighbor across the street who perhaps um, isn't able to go out and shopping during this time. Um, You know, maybe it's a a single parent household down the street uh, who's just having a really tough time with childcare, things like that. What are some some socially distanced, appropriate ways that you could be caring for uh, these beloved neighbors or anyone else who the Lord is placing on your heart? So, um, after the terrorist attacks in, in 2001, on September 11th, uh, it was said during that time that churches were absolutely flooded with people after those, those tragedies struck our nation. People were coming into the church just searching for meaning as to what it was that just happened in our country, how to find answers to the questions that were stirring around in their hearts. So I wonder, when all of this storm has passed, when all of this is done, When the virus has been eradicated from our land, when it's no longer anything that we need to be fearing, what's gonna be happening in our country? What's gonna be happening here in our neighborhoods? What's gonna be happening in South Minneapolis and and throughout the Twin Cities? What sort of questions are people going to be asking? So we are already a very materialistic and consumeristic society, no one will deny that. But what will will people look for now, uh, after this event, as like a new for a new source of significance when we're not able to go out and you know shop as a as a way to just alleviate stress you know and we're we're forced to look for meaning in other sort of ways what's that going to look like once the cloud of this virus is lifted and we're already a very isolated and individualistic society oh we love our castles and and you know we we love being isolated for one other from one another well how hungry will people be for true, genuine, hospitable community when this is done. How hungry are people going to be just for simple hugs, you know, a high-five or, or you know, whatever? Uh, how hungry will people be for that when all of this is done? How will people look back and remember the actions of the church when all of this is done? Will we be seen as hoarders? Will we be seen as, as a quarrelsome people, uh, people who, who sort of stuck to ourselves? Or will we be known like those who, like a mama hen, is going out and gathering and unifying the lonely and the brokenhearted? Oh, may that be so, beloved. Well, my prayer for us is that we will not be marked by despair, that we won't be marked by distraction or division, but rather we would be marked as a people who place their hope in God, as a people who are utterly devoted and 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 passionate about Jesus Christ himself and a people who are thrilled to be a unifying people, both unifying within our congregation and our neighborhoods and all those who are in need. May we be a unifying people. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.